When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. This is Philosophy versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe you, the audience, get something out of it as well. My name is Bill Arnett, an improv practitioner with questions about philosophy. I'm Mark Linsenmeyer, a philosophy person who today seeks to be an improv person. And our special guest, introduce yourself. I'm Sarah Shockey, and I like both. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, however, you are in the improv column. We have a strict... Yes, I fall definitely more in the improv column, although I did 3.5 my last philosophy class that I was required Whoa. to take in college. So, you know, I'm, uh, I climbed the ranks at one point and then stayed on the same ladder rung, probably. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice. The format, we've each brought in a thing. I think I gave you the option of contributing to the thing. I didn't contribute. I would prefer to just hop into whatever hot tub has already been prepared. <laughs> I don't know Bill's thing. He doesn't know my thing. Mine is a a philosophy tidbit. Bill's is an improv tidbit. At the end, Sarah, our guest and judge, will decide which of the tidbits is most tidbitalicious. Tidbitial? (laughs) That's really super tidbitial. I I really... That's all correct. All right. (laughs) Do you want to start us on something? I, again, feel fairly confident that I can work my philosophy magic into uh, whatever improv thing we do. Oh, yeah. So we could uh, start. Sarah, what's on your mind today? Open up the discussion with anything. So I went for a walk and I went down to the lake. And I think the lake on these weather transitioning days is so pretty. And a lot of people will only go to the beach when it's a reasonable time to go to the beach. But I think if you go at weird times, like instead of a lunch break or on a gray rainy day, just trek out there in boots, you get like spectacularly different beaches every time. And no crowds. No crowds. And you can kind of like do weirder stuff. Like, you know, I like to traipse a few steps and look meaningfully off, which is like (laughs) fine. But if there's a bunch of kids around, it doesn't feel as like speculative and serene and Jane Austen-esque as I want it to. Yeah. If I'm going to get my gown wet, there should only be two or three people. (laughs) Yeah. You're taking selfies while you're out there. Again, pensive, meaningful. <laughs> Set up your phone and walk a few steps yeah, yeah. away. Selfies, yeah. Selfies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get away yeah. with that without too many people, for sure. For it's sure. It's better on, you know, on a Tuesday around 10 a.m. than a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Now, Bill, in your reaction to this, you said at one point, you know, no people, not so many people. It seems like you have some sort of obsession with people. How do you know whether there's a, a person there or not? Could nature itself, for instance, be in some sense a person? Sure. I think, (laughs) well, I enjoy the person that nature is. It sounds like Sarah also enjoys the person. The like feeling that comes with just being surrounded by nature does sort of feel like being with a very comfortable person, like someone that you've known for a long time that hasn't done you too wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe a few spats here and there. (laughs) Well, and I like that idea of it could do you wrong. 
or you could do it wrong, that maybe we have a responsibility toward nature as if it were a person. This sounds like your philosophical topic. Well, well, I'm trying to bend. <laughs> Is this, are you doing a bit, Jerry? <laughs> I'm trying to bend anything that was said toward the thing that I that I brought in, as is the as the nature of the format, which is the notion of personhood. Everybody politically, they love to talk about personhood. Sure, you know That's what I'm a, talking about. It's a hot about. hot topic these days. Is it the idea that outside of a human being, you can assign personhood to other like concepts and? items or is this am i close the immediate political thing is of course the abortion debate right when is a person a person yes exactly exactly. but also the idea of like if you're kicking a sparrow out of your way is that sparrow a person enough to not kick it in any sense or does it even matter is personhood just a red herring and that shouldn't be the thing that we're paying attention to but it seems at least if something is a person we have some moral responsibilities But maybe not. Maybe those get overwhelmed by other things. And I guess certainly as people, we love putting people attributes on other things. You know, calling that. We're always making stories. Yeah, that sparrow. Hey, buddy, get out of here. You know, just like presuming it was (laughs) like, yeah, yeah. Hit the bricks, bird. You know, like (laughs) presuming it's a person or like that it had a job to do that we would be doing. Our pets, we put human emotions on our pets and whatnot. That may or may not be. Constantly. I have Peter in the background. I don't know if any of the listeners can feel that there's a cat nearby, but uh, that's Peter the tabby is uh, with me. And yeah, he's got his personality traits that I think we agree on, but I'm putting (laughs) that on him. It's a narrative. (laughs) It's funny that this was your thing because all too often, and we can say mark it up to happenstance or... Maybe it's a truth about improv. What I had brought in was also something about people and how we define people in an improv scene. And how the ones who need the people are the luckiest people in the world. Something, is that, is no, that a thing? No, not at all. No. I was going to say party quirks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Everyone, well, for anyone out there who may not know what party quirks is, it's a very fun, silly short form improv game where everyone has is given some kind of tick or personality or behavior. But I think the truth is that is how we identify people. Oh, there's this guy at the office who's just like, he'll just talk your ear off if you let him. And I'm sure this guy's got more to his life than that, but he's the guy who'll talk your ear off. That's his most visible trait. That's his party quirk, as it were, to a party that no one will invite him to. Well, I have this chilly friend upstairs in the kitchen, and every time I open him, he's like filled with food. That's oh, I love that friend. He's always running. But, but just a little, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think maybe his coldness is a virtue. In keeping food safe, it is definitely a virtue, for sure. In running up costs on the bill, though, then if you're going to argue that, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. a roommate that could contribute more. Yeah, and can also pee ice sometimes, which is fascinating. <laughs> I wish I could do that. There's some winters where, or summers where that might be a fun trick, yeah. you know. Can you do, can you be crushed ice? Oh, let me. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a couple minutes a to concentrate. <laughs> I got to work, work up on this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that was the kind of Snoopy snow cone machine I had as a kid. Was yes. Snoopy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a off brand peeing Snoopy. So, well, I wanted to do something and this is for definitely for you. I know Mark, you have said multiple times. And I think this is your life party quirk. About always wanted to make sure, well, what the, what's the scene about? What's happening? And it kind of was the philosophy argument there. And I have always been pushing for fun, not angrily pushing. 
this idea that we can just exist in this scene and have fun together and it can define itself and we don't have necessarily know what it will be before it even begins. Yeah. Have we talked about that, Mark? Sure. Okay. <laughs> as long as there are no persons in this scene whatsoever, then I will not inject any philosophy. Now, the idea is, is that I'm going to start this scene. I'm not even going to say how I'm going to start this scene. I'm going to, that's something we can divine later. Does that make sense, everybody? And is the yes, cat going to be in the scene? There's now two cats. Yeah, there's cats. Two, now two cats. <laughs> there's a possibility that oh, a third will join. But then yeah. after that, if there are more, it'll be confusing. <laughs> there's, there's an optical trick that makes one of the cats look like a huge monolith and one that, a little tiny thing in it's the background. It's a Disney force perspective we've yes. designed. They're animatronics. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying them out to see if people believe that they're cats. We got a Michel Gondry video here uh, with <laughs> lots of in-camera effects here. All right, awesome. Are we ready to start our scene, everybody? Yes. Please. All right. Okay, I have a, I have a pen. I have a pen. One, one second. It's under, I promise I have it. Let me just... Um, Take your time. Go. Okay. Oh, thank you. I'm just, um, okay. Um, do, 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 do you need do. a pen? I got no, a pen. No, I have a pen. I have we a have pen. a bunch in the back. Pen. We can give you some too. No, I have, a pen. I have a pen. I have a pen. I have a pen. I have a pen I like to use. I know that documents like this need to be in black or blue ink. So I have a pen, a special, I know. Ours are all approved for the documents and they're free. So, but if you're more comfortable using yours. I would like to use my pen if that's okay. That's fine. Okay. Is there something special about is it is it a really expensive one? Is it uh, technologically advanced somehow? Well, it's just my Jack. pen. It's my pen. I've, I've I've signed many legal documents with this pen, so it has memories of everything I've signed, all the affidavits. And this and is a big document. A lot of initialing. Yeah, I think, okay. he, I think oh, he doesn't here want to we sign. Go. Here, wait, here we are. Don't Ooh. put ideas in his head before he's made the decision himself. Did you find it? I found the pen. I found the pen. It was in my day runner. I still use oh, one. I still use yeah. one. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And are you going to be uh, bequeathing that as part of the, the document, the day runner? I mean, mm-hmm. we get that. Oh, I did not list it. Specific. Should I have listed that specifically? Yes. Yeah, you should definitely. I think it, it falls under the umbrella of assets, don't you? Well, it's certainly an asset to me. Uh, yeah, we can nitpick, so to speak, and decide the specifics later. But if it comes down to the Rolodex, we'll just go with assets. Okay. Well, I mean, now that you're saying this, now I'm thinking back, I probably have many more assets I should list also. Okay, well, we can do a renegotiation. That's fine. Is, is the pen itself listed as an asset? Um, I it think, doesn't sound like it is, Jack. Uh, the pen might be... Um, and how many more pens do you need, really? You know, I'm just this whole... Uh, I'm, I'm rethinking. I'm rethinking everything at this point now. Of course. You've, you've made me... You had expressed through your devotion that uh-huh. you were going to make this substantial bequest and it was going to be really impressive... The sacrifice is the important thing. I mean, well, the I enjoy, itself enjoy. might not be worth a lot monetarily, but clearly it's worth a lot to you. So well, it would really show your devotion. You have a fine organization, and I think that's great. And I love the outreach you do. Some people have said that it's a scam, that it is a hustle, that it is some kind of, you know, that it's a pride. I shouldn't be doing this. But we don't use those sort of crunchy words, you know, scam and those, ugh, they just, they crunch out. We use smoother words like organization, holistic warehouse, friend to the needful types. I gotta say, since I started- And ta- haven't you been a needful type before? Since I began taking your seminars, my productivity and emotional stability- Were you taking them or Jack, was, was he taking them or was he enjoying them? Good question. I, I feel like you were giving in the act of taking. 
Yeah. I certainly participated. I certainly and I signed up. For- and you gave us highly satisfied remarks in most of the ones that you scored highly on yourself. We got the feedback back. And don't you want to give when you receive? I, I certainly. And I think if, if anybody could be a part of these personal management seminar program. Mm-hmm. For a healthier life that has a bigger hope of tomorrow. You don't have to sell me. I've already... Okay, but I just, um, you know, going back over this, I, I'm, I, I do have, I have no children myself, but I do have some step nieces and grand nephews who might feel that some of my belongings, my earthly belongings, when I pass, might be their property. So you're concerned that they're not also getting involved in this. That, you know, that's definitely something we should look at. Let me put it to you like this. If it is your intention to destroy the land, Would you rather invest in seven tiny tornadoes or one big giant tornado that can level it flat in 30 seconds? I have never considered that analogy of tornadoes. Well, you've never been this close to withdrawing all of your assets from our organization. You're getting into the real deep stuff here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Look, I I just I'm I'm, I'm, I'd hire the one big tornado. I think that he's got a tornado in his uh, his soul already. I can I can feel it swirling around. You you got thoughts. Look, look, I understand. I, when you I, get down to the moment of signing, I took it's the, natural. I took the seminars. I understand about my inner tornado. You're starting to sound like you might be interested in a leadership position with us. Maybe you're not just a participator. Maybe you're a teacher. Is that available? Is that honestly available? Anything is available to those who give enough of themselves so that the whirlwind enters into them and then they they can spray it out to all the land. And we will be updating the website soon with a form where you can submit for your application. It's just right now we've been kind of redoing the website for a Mm -hmm. little while. I remember in class four, uh, when we got started at 5.30 a.m. before breakfast, I remember the introduction of the concept of the personal tornado. And sometimes tornadoes leap over houses. Sometimes tornadoes make a horrible path. I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's good to spit back what you've heard. I mean, It's that's... called reading comprehension. And mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. always tolerated that as one of our higher values. And I think that maybe this is the opportunity for the tornado to destroy my home so a new home can be rebuilt. And perhaps I'm the lucky one for the tornado destroying my home. And this is, and I found my pen. And I found my pen. Look you at know, you, I, signing I, away already. Here we go. Here we go. There we go. Right. See, Jack, I told you, just a little patience goes a long way. Okay, right. great. Wow. Okay. So well, I'm we're part gonna, of the team. I'm part of the team now, I guess. Yep. And, and uh, you've, you've earned the right to have exclusive use of this uh, watcher that you're going to place in your eyes. So it's about a three foot tall statue and it's going to replace... All of your uh, other belongings, it is just going to be uh, your companion. It's going to watch you. It's going to make sure you uh, stay on the straight and narrow, and it will uh, swirl around. Those those blades are real. And the flip-flops. You get the flip-flops mm-hmm. for when you're inside your house. Yep, yep. Good, good. I have gotten rid of all colored clothing from my, from my wardrobe. Don't worry. It's all mm-hmm. between black and white, as you would. Gray. Gray. Wow, well, I feel uh, unburdened. And I feel Great. like um, I can really go out there and be the master of my own person. And Yeah, and there'll be little, um, the stands will have drinks and just kind of, uh, you know, talk to people. The party's uh-huh. going to be going for another couple hours. 
So thanks for stopping in the office and hey, enjoy no the bounty no of community. Yeah. Well, the, the watcher is going to be brought to your house and you will have to do the piss test in it every morning just before it lets you out. I mean, that was in the what you signed. So you, you knew that. I have to pee into the watcher? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. Oh, that should be. Yeah, I usually I used to pee at work, but maybe I can pee earlier. I mean, we can get you a washer for work as well if that would help. I'm not sure that, if that office. you might have to sign an additional an addendum for that. Too. Okay, we we can we can look into that. I just you know the just w- enjoy the party for tonight. There's nothing to worry about. That's fair. That's fair. Wow. Well, it feels great to be part of the team. And hey, you two, stay awesome, and so will I. Okay, stay awesome, and so will I. <laughs> That's We'd, probably good. That's, I think that's. I think that's <laughs> Let's fair. Call that a scene. Yeah. I was searching for a a punchline. Is that just a weakness that I I want to end it on some sort of? This is why I introduced the potential of a spinning blades technology, but it seemed like it was not appropriate. Well, I think we all want it to end on a high note than a low note. I think that's fair. But then again, we also don't need to necessarily push to create that. And how mm-hmm. far outside the scene do we have to step to create that? And I thought you were able to. Have all of your ends go, Mark? And this is maybe news for Sarah here. Does anyone call you? Do you ever get Sherrod? Sherrod occasionally. Or they'll try to spell it with an S-H-A-R-A. And they know there's an H in there somewhere, but they don't know it goes at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind. It travels. Fair enough. Sherrod Socky's Sock Puppet Theater. Yes. Yes. It's your <laughs> yes. <new> stage name. <laughs> that sounds very biblical. Sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes when Mark would try to end these scenes, he would end up taking a very broad step away from the reality. And I thought this one was much closer to the reality, Mark. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Good. Especially figuring out what the circumstances are. Because there is that weird little like step off the ledge where you're like, and I'm going to say one (laughs) and we'll see if everyone likes it. (laughs) Yeah. And that was something that I wanted to try to do. Right, Mark? Were you worried about the circumstance? To extend it, the ambiguity further? <laughs> Seemed like you were settling on some sort of Dianetics Scientology. Uh, That's what it landed on. Mm-hmm. One of those uh, self-help seminar. Landmark. Well, yes. Who else would you be signing your, your yeah. all your possessions over to? Yeah, yeah. That was not what I had in mind when it started. Not at all. And I think what I wanted to get across, Mark, and we can talk about the technique I used is that we don't have to know what it's going to be about before it starts. In fact, of the two or three ideas I had after my first line, after the couple responses, in no way was I thinking cultish personal (laughs) development. Well, I probably steered it. I probably threw out some comments that steered it that way because it could have been signing anything. Sure. We were in an office. Sarah said something to indicate. Yeah, I was picturing like a will and trust for a minute of like, you know, the siblings sort of fighting over stuff. And then it just like, it's fun when it layers where the Venn diagram just gets smaller the more details that people throw in. Totally. And that is acceptable. So is is a... <laughs> That's a passing score. <laughs> <laughs> well, ideally, would one then, especially with three or four or more people in a scene, sort of give everybody a turn to throw in a detail? Throw in one thing, but then just kind of, I'm not going to overdetermine it. That goes a long way to what mm-hmm. I did to start the scene. And when we're ready for another scene, then I can put that detail on to whoever would like to start the next one. How about that? But I think it's also yeah. being comfortable in that spot of not knowing what's going on. Not that one is better or worse than the other, but not freaking out when you don't know immediately what's happening. Now, philosophically, you know, we talked about personhood. And yes, you could go on, is a tornado a person? And we, you know, you, you brought that up. That was not me. Correct. You're right. But, of course, the whole point of talking about it is, ethically, 
And in that scene, does it seem like we were treating you like a person or like a fountain of money? Something we could squeeze dry. Definitely money fountain. But that is a very like person to person thing. Like when people interact with each other when they don't know one another, so often the crux is money. Like it's like I'm trying to make a sale. I'm trying to like get something out of you. So like in that way, it was a very human way to treat someone because that is such a motivator for people. What percentage of our everyday interactions are, I need you to just do your job for me right now. Will you just do your job for me right now? Can you just button it up? (laughs) Yeah, just make my coffee and ring up my groceries and... Get me to my next thing. (laughs) Grade my kids' tests so I can move on. Yeah. Not that I wouldn't enjoy some people's company, but there is a line. I think most of interactions, they don't cross that line. Yes. So treating you like a whole person, admitting the complexity, that sort of invites a maybe specific only to your significant other or to family or something in terms of, well, now I have to care about you or therapy. You know, I want you to (laughs) extend you goodwill. And And I only have so much. It's not Christmas (laughs) time. (laughs) Now I have to presume your good intentions. And I would rather just walk away pissed about how stupid you are. (laughs) It's, It's easier. It's easier to assume people are just not quite as much of a person as you, which I think leads to a lot of misunderstandings. Because then people are like, how dare you treat me like that? I'm more of a person than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I recall something with, you know, like the Leo Buscaglia, the love doctor, who was very popular in the 80s, talking about, you know, I was on a plane recently and I was sitting next to the person. And wouldn't it be great if we could just talk to each other on the plane like we're, you know, old friends? I was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I feel like it can't be an all or nothing thing where like, My dad travels most of the year for work. And most of the time he gets on the flight, he takes the flight, he gets off without talking to a single person except to order a drink or get some snacks. But then one trip, he met a guy and they just started talking and they were both kind of like, okay, we'll have this conversation. And they became like super good friends. And it was like that one time where it was like, okay, well, that time it worked out. But I don't want to be doing that every time. Or you don't want to expect that every time you talk to another person, they're going to become one of your best friends. Like, it's just not a balance that way. Or I have certainly met people who maybe they want to cross that barrier, but I don't want them. Yeah, it has to like line up. Yeah, because there have been times where I'm like, I'm keeping these headphones in, baby. Your energy (laughs) is not coming over here. Well, yes, it adds a different layer. The amount of was this a an unwanted male attention (laughs) that you're referring to? It really depends. There's so many like categories of it where like sometimes the person you want talking to you the least is like a lady that could be so motherly and so sweet, but you can just feel that she's there to eat Cheetos and cause a problem. And like that to me is like, I know how to handle being hit on. I don't know how to handle these like older (laughs) ladies that just want to stir up trouble. I'm like, please spare me. I don't want to be part of your tirade against the staff later because we had a conversation about your food you brought on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it's just acknowledging the personhood of somebody is to to acknowledge, I know that you are a whole world and you have a lot of stuff going on and I'm going to try not to interfere with that. (laughs) Or, you know, I understand that we're each of us whirling tornadoes with who knows what (laughs) flying around in them, gears, and that if I bump into you the wrong way, we're going to interlock gears and there's going to be sparks and explosions and things. 
we may be more powerful than ever, but we could also <laughs> be inviting utter chaos. So it's like, yeah, you kind of, I guess, have to be careful if you're kind of a volatile person who you're mixing energies with. It certainly comes up in politics and whatnot now, this whole notion of othering another group or, oh, the political opponent is not, they're not really people or whatnot, or, you know, certainly our country has a long history of saying that certain people aren't people. And I don't know if the cure for that is, well, actually getting to know people and actually, you know, you can't other them if they're, if you let them in. Yeah, I think the internet went these huge bounds of people finding other people who are like them and people who they didn't expect to be like them, sort of like having stuff in common. And now it puts movies in a weird spot because we used to just be like, oh, that's the other army. They're just bad guys. And now if you notice like the Marvel movies, their big army hordes are usually like the undead or people where you're like, ew, 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 they don't even have eyes. (laughs) It's like they have to keep getting closer to this like ooze of darkness. Otherwise, it's like, well, but those people from that community are little Star Wars guys and they just make their tinker toys and we love them from that movie. So like you can't other people so much now that we can all talk to each other really easily because we're like, hey, that was kind of mean they said that. They agree. We need the robot hordes. (laughs) And then the robots that always end up getting kind of sympathetic because they're like, I'm trying to learn from you, but you aren't consistent. It's like everywhere you turn, you can people people and make them little treasures. (laughs) And in fact, I think there's a lot of comedy in that. I'm trying to think of some examples right now. It happened a few times in the Mandalorian show, but there are a few moments where you humanize faceless people. You know, humanize the stormtroopers, humanize the robots, humanize these things. And it's really funny. And and the the humor, I think, is that they're supposed to be just faceless target practice dummies. And here we are. Oh, my gosh. They're really people. That's funny. That's not what I expected. The Flintstones and the Jetsons really taught us that you should be kind to your appliances. (laughs) And the Brave Little Toaster. Not even to get into the Brave Little Toaster. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it's a living. (laughs) We don't really have in our culture anymore the idea of a sort of respected enemy, a formidable, you know, you're worthy to be my enemy. In other words, I can't acknowledge your personhood completely, but since we are cross purposes, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to screw you. I'm going to screw you economically. Hey, Jack, I realize you're a full person. That's why I'm going to look you in the eye as I put the knife in you and take all your goods from your the pen that you love so much. Would you say that that's, would you call them the the arch-villain, the respected enemy, Mm -hmm. is it really knowing them or is it being afraid of what they're capable of, understanding what they're capable of and being afraid of that, you know? I was merely thinking, respecting them as a person, whatever that means. The capabilities or being afraid, that could be still a giant snake or something. I think it's also like, if you really want to get a baseline of like having sympathy for others, even if they appear very different than you're very evil, it's kind of like, if you make yourself picture that at one time this person or this creature was like a little helpless baby that couldn't do anything for themselves, like, would your heart go out to them a little bit, even though they ended up this big, terrible monster? Like, I think there is a way to kind of unlock that. I mean, you can write a narrative for anything. My dad used to make us feel guilty for not eating all of our toast by being like, and the grain grew up so tall, thinking about how it would be like eaten by you guys. <laughs> like, Oh, and, and then they watched your mom in the grocery store. Oh, I hope she picks us. I was like a member of the Clean Plate Club just crying over their sacrifice for me. <laughs> yeah, I think that would harden you to the... Yeah. To the it was, a, you know, it was a lot to think about for a four-year-old, but I certainly thought about it. Well, you know, maybe rather than going back in time to 
would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler? It's like, no, I'd raise him right. I'd raise him right. Yeah. I get let him go to art school and say, you know what? And Criticism is not so bad, but you've <laughs> got to steal up the first couple times. Let's get you a, a pool and you can do a sand art in it. But of course, he keeps, baby Hitler keeps doing things that could be evil. And you're like, no, 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 no. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like a young rock or a young Sheldon. We're just going to try to get it right this time. <laughs> it's, it yeah. takes a village. That's the, you know, thing. <laughs> I don't think you have to kill baby Hitler. I think you just have to give baby Hitler a really bad skin condition somehow. And then he would not have won the election if he had just eczema, horrible eczema, (laughs) you know, that you put poison ivy on his face every day. I don't know what would cause long term skin problems. Yeah. And is that life worse than death? We don't know. (laughs) We should have some improv around. We certainly can. Yeah. Would someone like to be the, the start person? And I will secretly chat you my little little trick well, trick the thing i did mark do you feel like starting or, or i can i, I can, can do, do that either, yeah either one of us or we you, can we can have i would sarah do one and then do I a would, third I'm very scene, happy mark? to have sarah start us off okay. okay i'll start us off i've got my chat open okay i may use some improviser slang here <laughs> we'll see if i'm up on it yeah what is a CIN circa 2011? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're down to one cat now, so you're at disadvantage. As in, does that make sense? That makes sense. And, that's, and, right, what, and, and there's, there's my line too, was in there. Yep. I just always used to pretend that the golf course was Pompeii, Italy, and I would go down with my notebook and try to find archaeological details about Pompeii. I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. Where does your motivation come from? Because that's where mine is. And that's why I'm project manager. I just, a paycheck. Does <laughs> that's, that's that count? Is that a bad answer? You're sh- rolling your eyes. And I'm sighing. Thank you for noticing. Reynolds, you've got the passion and yeah, you've got the spark. The thing about Pompeii, that, that really rings true for me. I used to myself, you know, when I would go on walks and I would be looking for the next sale, I would be picturing them all as some sort of vampires you know zombies something and if i could if i could sell the thing whatever it was i mean i was selling seeds when i was really small uh, i was selling garbage bags for the boy scouts and if i could if i could sell them that thing it's it's like i'd be i'd be slaying the vampire i'd be slaying the the monster and making the world a better place is that is that kind of what you're talking about that's it that's the quest that's what we And that's why you're our top sales guy, because you can take that knowledge and I'm going to have, you know, our stenographer loaded up in the system because I think everyone on this team should hear exactly what you've just said. The prize for this quarter's sales goals, it's, it's kind of lame. You know, I'd rather like save up our juice for when there's a cooler, uh, cooler prize. Mike, it's, it's not the physical prize. And by the way, the beach umbrellas are a really cool prize. And I looked through a big catalog and I really picked those out for you guys. I don't, I and, don't. And, and don't save your low efforts for who cares what the prize is. If yeah. you go to bed every day knowing that you worked hard, isn't that the award in itself working here? I know our top sales guy agrees. Reynolds. I mean, the umbrella is not the point. The umbrellas, I'm, I'm sorry, they are a little lame. But yeah, it's so and you're the smartest guy here. Okay, I'm embarrassed. Note taken for next quarter. It's almost better that it's lame because 
if it was something, if we were focused on the prize, then you're not focused on the prize, That's the it. experience, the accomplishment itself. You need to find your own analogy, your own some Pompeii, your own it, monsters. Mike, and some people don't. Now, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. You admitted the paycheck thing first, and now I want you to reverse it, okay? I want you to come up with your own metaphor for why it's actually good to have a lame prize such as the beach umbrellas when the greater prize is your own efforts. I just want to cut through to the chase here, okay? And I don't. Uh, it better I, be a metaphor a or chase. I'm going to ring the bad boy bell. The chase is a good metaphor. Go on. Uh, hey, everybody sharing this aisle on the airplane. I really want to watch the movie I downloaded onto my computer and don't take it personally. But I am going to put on my headphones after a brief comment and acknowledge your presence and then zone out with the movie I brought. That's not a good metaphor. This is like the opposite metaphor of you're amongst humanity. You can experience flight with your fellow man. And then you've got a, I'm just here for the paycheck. I'm just turning the volume down because I only like that song a little bit. Oh, and I bet you only breathe halfway in. Don't want to take up too much air. How is that living? I'm not on the phone right now. We're, this is we're, this is a we're supposed to be making yeah, this sales. Is a mandatory go to market meeting, and we're going to be in here for another two hours, and we don't get snacks until 15 minutes before the end. That's two hours. I'm not on the phone making sales. You're not on the phone making sales to begin with. You're over there playing plink clocks on your phone. Is the plink clocks the metaphor? Is Don't that, you download is, plink clocks because I need you as my top sales guy, Reynolds. It is highly addicting. And let me just say, I'm not good at it. I'm only 3,000 points away from the empress. So let me just say that. All right. And I, so that isn't, that is a metaphor. Your daily prizes must be massive. That, that is a metaphor. Can you just translate that yes. literal thing, which is worth nothing? You understand that, right? Why do you play Plink Clocks? Yeah, yeah. You paid 99 cents for this app that is showing you ads every five minutes and trying to, it's sucking your life away. And instead of doing that, literally going for the Empress, make the Empress something that, you know, you set for yourself with your sales records, etc. In a word, life. Uh, I, I work is boring and... Uh, phone apps are fun. I, I don't, there's no metaphor. I think we're beyond. When you were a child, did a book ever delight you? Did the falling snowflakes ever dance upon your furrowed brow and ease it into joy? I, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. And I want to make you a manager, but we can't lose the sales. I just need you to say something to Mike that'll turn it all around. Did, did and it doesn't you, have to be a metaphor, but it can be. Did you like Indiana Jones? Did you like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, sure. Totally. Was it not inspiring to you? Like you're, you're go to South America, getting that and- ark there. You're reaching for the ark. You're uh, opening the ark. You're uh, being able to melt the faces of your enemies with the ark. Is that not an inspiring sort of goal? Maybe you need not just the attainment, not just the empress. You need the rage. You the need the, the, the driving, the melting of the faces of your, of your enemies whom you respect, but you're going to melt their faces anyway. That's what making sales is. Dun, 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 dun. That's the good boy wind chimes right there. And that means that you get a $10 credit towards your next Tuesday free meal. 
Remember, you have to have credits for the Tuesday free meal. I love. Well, it's not I really love a free meal. I love that these are. Thing is a free meal, Mike. We've covered this. I love that these prices are terrible. I, I just, I, it, it, it juices me that they're so bad. I do have something that is near and dear to my heart, and it's something yes. that might surprise you. Yes, but it is something that I have tried to share on numerous occasions and with little to no acknowledgement. And that is the fact that I play piano in an Allman Brothers cover band. And I have put, yes, yes, those are the posts you have seen on the bulletin board and on the break room fridge. I have offered people not free tickets, but two for ones. And that's my, that's my passion. Okay. That's my passion. Was there a way to make sales through the, you know, you just tweak the Allman lyrics, the Allman Brother lyrics? Yeah, that could be a new social media campaign where when you go, you kind of have a stack of flyers about our products. Now, that's the type of passion and product we're talking about here at myorganization.biz. That's lame. I can't. I, I wouldn't let me in if I'm like, hey, welcome to the show, everybody. Before we get rocking, um, here's some flyers you know, for some business. And it's how to make money off your art. But that's our business you know and that's gotta be first because where the money comes from has to be where your favorite thing is so you know i don't know what your what your salary level is with this band that gives you some flyers that seem hastily cut up in secret in the break room that has the paper cutters but like is it the prize couldn't the prize be bringing our prize out to that realm of people who might need some software that Reynolds sounds like a champ. Yeah, it's, it seems like you got to combine your passions. You know, you said you're here for the paycheck. And I, I feel like you could enjoy this so much more if you would just inject some of that Almond Brothers flavor into your daily activities here. I'm giving you one of the umbrellas for that. I know you're going to make sales, but I'm just going to give you one. You can give it to your daughters or whoever. But uh, yeah. That really great. We're making strides today. All right. I put it on the pile. Okay. Um, I promise. I'm no bathroom. Up. Sorry. What were you going to say? That's another rule that I don't think we got to talk to HR about that one. I really don't think just during go to market meetings, no bathroom. Cause you're, cause you all ruined it by not actually going <laughs> and saying you were. Well, it's just, just a break. I'm just, you know, freshen up. I don't have to actually use the potty, do I? I mean, I think during your sets. What we're talking about here, gang, is sales. It's the most important thing in the world. Well, write down a number of sales that you need me to make. 64. Well, I was, let me finish. In, in <laughs> Not for this quarter, but in the next two hours. And I will leave this Sorry, you boring meeting and make you those sales. Can't. I will make, we will trade my sales for leaving this meeting. You know what, Reynolds, this is your decision because I can't negotiate with a guy who only cares about his paycheck to how far it'll get him to pretending to be the Almond Brothers. I'm not, it is a pastiche. And the fact that I might dress up a little bit like Greg Almond is not. Do you have the beard? Do you have the fake beard? Uh, Yes. I do. Put over your regular beard. Yes, I yes I do. How many, we're talking about? Is me it leaving stuck them. in All with right. little combs? Do you use like a little comb sticking? Theatrical glue and you know spirit gum and how many sales do I need to make to leave the meeting? Even just one sale, I will come to the next almond thing because I I feel like there's something 
come to the next almond thing. Yeah. Yes. Welcome. I, I and see. you have to give us a two for one, and we're not dating. That's fine. That's fine. Reynolds, we're not. And don't let me get two cocktails in and say otherwise. That's provisionally acceptable. Mike, uh, good for you, too. That's great for me. All right, then let's end the meeting early. You make a sale, and uh, I'm going to Buffalo Wild Wings. Yay, we did it. All right. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was fun. I found in both a little bit enjoying too much being in a role of <laughs> twisted authority. <laughs> well, I don't know if Mark can figure out what we were going for, but that was, that was exactly the kind of thing, and I thought you hit it out the park. That was ridiculous. That person was real fun. That person was real fun, and it's weird to find out, like, that's... Yeah, me there's me that's like that that exists because <laughs> otherwise why would i be able to do it so well i've certainly met that person before and you wonder <laughs> i wonder like, what do they do when they go home just it's, stand in a closet <laughs> yeah, exactly it's like what life do you have outside but it's of also that weird like they're always enthusiastically almost reaching for something big and then slotting it immediately into what work wants which is so changeable and so weird like those like pump you up meetings like yeah. i've been in so many different companies i've seen so many versions of them that it's just funny where it's like there's always someone that's just like rah rah this place right now and it's like Boy, our thoughts must be so different. <laughs> it's just kind of ironic. They've found so much motivation and so much drive for someone else's project, you know? And like, yeah. And like, not even a, like, you don't have that person's ear, even. You're like, you know, a couple shoe trees away from having much authority. <laughs> they go home and they read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is something and that they tried to shove on me in one of my past jobs. And the very first thing. I think I got as far as the first habit. I, I couldn't quote it, but it was something to the effect of don't fake it. You know, in other words, don't have your passions at home and then come in and sleepwalk through, you know, inject that passion. You have to do it anyway. You're there, you're getting paid. You might as well put your all into it. And I said, no, I'm not reading any more of this book. <laughs> Screw you. If that's me coming to work in character as Greg Allman. Then for the rest of, yeah, pushing in this giant. See, that would have been a good yeah. completion of the scene is if by the end of it, you, you were doing a Greg Allman voice. I don't know. Do you know the Allman Brothers well enough? Or is that just a pull well, I from know your... their music, but I couldn't do their voice. I'm more of a, <laughs> more of a Skinner than an Allman Brothers, to be perfectly frank. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of overlap in that in those. Yeah. <laughs> those Skinner Brothers. <laughs> so. Mark, do you have any idea how we're able to achieve those, how those scenes were achieved? No, I don't know what the lesson was. I cannot, for the life of me, put it together. Great, thanks. We're short on time. I'll just say it. The idea was I was going to, I initiated my scene and Sarah initiated her scene with saying nothing about the situation and only things about yourself. I failed too because I panicked and was like, and I'm the project manager and the scientist here and I own this town. Exposition. <laughs> yeah, right, right at the end. Right at the end. It was, it was I was like, I couldn't stop myself because <laughs> I was just picturing like there are times where I'll go out on stage and I'll have it so clear in my head and say like two things and then I'll see that it's still registering as like, we're not quite sure. And so then I get that instinct to be like, more details for everybody. And then the assignment just, it was like, well, good intentions. <laughs> yeah, same way. I'm the same way. I, can't, I will leave no uncertainty certain. I've designed the spaceship for you, so I will describe it. And also, I'm your dad and I uh, have a government grant for $38,000, but we're almost out of money. <laughs> yeah, 
Questions? No, because there's no questions in improv. <laughs> so yes, I, I might have been able to guess what the lesson was from based on the first one if Sarah had done exactly that thing. Yeah. But but no, <laughs> yeah. I felt like you were very good at setting. I think you named both of us. I should have named you at some point, but I was like, wait, did you already name yourself? I don't. Hey, it didn't come up. It didn't come up. I feel like she's the type of lady that. Also, people would avoid saying her name because it's just going to be a Slack conversation later that you don't want to have. Yeah. But again, I started that first scene with, I can't find my pen. You know, what's going on? Who knows? I'm just a guy who can't find his pen. But I'm a particular person who can't find his pen. Does that make sense? And that's that's what comes across, Mark. Now, I wish we did have time for you to do one of these. We can do one real fast. We do one real fast, Mark. Okay. Okay. Can we do this? So give us a line like, I can't find my pen. You know, when I was a kid, I used to pretend the golf course was uh, <laughs> ancient Greek ruins. You know, it says nothing about what's going on in the situation, but about a lot about you. I just feel really insecure right now. And maybe you could just respect that. Sure. Okay. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, back off. I'll back off. We thought you really good. Like people were laughing. Sure. But it was like a, a jolly team laugh. Yeah. I just, I, I wasn't even sure if, what to wear. Dude, you're great, all right? Some jokes landed better than others. And people like when you have a, a sleepy cap on and you hold the candlestick. Like, that's kind of like your own gimmick. Yeah. and I mean, I, I tried it with two caps, but I thought that was, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> you put a hat on a hat. Look, you got up yeah. there. I didn't get up there. You got up I there. Didn't, I was terrified. I barely, I barely made the pie-eating contest, and then I failed because I used a fork. I mean... You went up there and you were you in front of the whole town. Yeah. And that was great. I wanted to great. do that for a long time. And I just never, I never felt like I had the material before, but then you just get inspired by some things, you know, and then you feel like it's so clear. Now I, you pointed I, at that baby and went, me, 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 me. They laughed so hard. The baby woke up. I mean, that's like, that's comedic yeah. power. And, and maybe I that's, think. that's an avenue for your work. Be more observational, you know? Yeah, more like, uh, more like, um, crowd work. Crowd work. That's a term. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard people do that. Yeah, a couple towns over, they said that there's a magician that comes and he can get everybody singing in harmonies and stuff like that. Like maybe you could get everybody like sleeping and waking up. You'd think I would be sensitive about that, being sort of the guy who was in a coma for five years. And, and, but you know, it really, it it just turned my life around. I mean, before that I had all these responsibilities and then I wake up and it's like, everything is new. Every, you know, sure. My mom is dead, but you know, I I, clean slate. You, you'd expect that that would happen by now anyway. So, and you didn't have to go through it. You know, maybe there's a reason that you got kind of like held back, so to speak. And now you've got that great beard. I saw a couple ladies were like, I never noticed him before he had that beard. Let's go to the beer tent with you. Yeah. Let's go to the beer tent. You feeling all right? Let's, can we good? buy you a pint? Can we buy you a pint? You know, like <laughs> how you do that accent. Yeah, it's just that, you know, last time I I had a pint, I mean, I had another pint and I had another pint. And that's next thing I know is five years later. So maybe the drinking is uh, what? Is, is not the best idea. They've got some cider. They've got some. They've got some cider for the kids. We'll get you. Just, just to the beer tent in a metaphorical sense. Let's go. It's just to congratulate you on a job well done. I mean, I imagine it had to be in some way like so lonely that whole time, and now you're back out and you're able to talk to people again. I mean, I'll celebrate with a cider to that. Yeah, I mean, when I mean now that you mention it, it, it wasn't lonely because it's like I I kept living a life, and uh, you know, I got married, I had kids, when, and when it's just uh, this is in the coma. 
yeah, you know, you sort of keep on keeping on, as they say. And I just developed a whole separate dream life that now is is gone. And I thought maybe getting up there and trying to joke about it would fill the void. But um, that part didn't really, I think the audience was just a little confused at the largeness of what you were trying to convey. Because now that you're explaining it, like, I kind of understand, but it's also like, that's kind of dropping, like presupposing an afterlife and people are just usually there to like have a good time. It, It got real. It got real. Yeah, it got like they were listening, but they were like nervous. Maybe I shouldn't laugh. Maybe it'd be rude to laugh. Yeah, that's because yeah. it seemed like you were still kind of figuring it out for yourself. Like it seemed like you really missed your dream family. But you didn't think the foreign accents were offensive, though. Not at all. Not well. No, because if that's what your dreams are saying, then that's some sort of collective humanity that like we can't make fun of. And I think that's why that that part was where people were really laughing because they felt like they had like a license yeah okay because you know she was my dream wife was chinese and uh i just thought maybe doing the voice was uh it was a little risky but like i'm just so used to hearing it day after day i didn't hear that that was sort of supposed to be chinese to me your wife had like this kind of alien like garble and maybe that's like for the best because people responded like they had just been given candy which at that time the candy maker was going through with promotional treats. So a couple mm, of those cheers, mm. to be fair, were not for you. But it was kind of like just the vibe was so good of the audience. Like we felt like you had command over them. Like you should use that. Yeah. Come on. Let's go to the to the refreshment tent. Okay. Yeah. Don't make us pull on your arms. All right. Put your car keys away. Or we're not <laughs> leaving. You're not going well, well, home. Well, thank you both for, you know, encouraging me to get out of my shell, out of my coma, as they say. Nobody says that. But you specifically can. Yes. I, Other I, people say it, it's stolen valor, but not with you. Many people are, you know, they talk about comas, but like, you know, I was there. You should get shirts and then maybe like at this time you'd be like selling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I had a family and I was starting my kid in preschool and, and then I woke up and all I had was this shirt. Yeah. yeah. Or you could do come on if you want a shorter one. That's, uh, catch, catch <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I can use that next time. That's yeah. It's all yours. The one note I'm going to have, and I'm sorry, is you need clothes that fit your body a little better. You lost a ton of weight. Your shirt looks like full sleeves. Like you look like a juggalo if you know what those are. I don't know if those were from the last five years or not. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm being the nitpicky. Yeah, because it just, we remember how you looked before and those clothes fit you perfectly. And now it's just kind of like, haunting like i'm so glad you brought this up but like kind of like dust in the wind vibes when you wear those big giant clothes and then the, when the wind blew you got a laugh just on like the collective ripple of your giant pants and shirt at the same time i'm not sure if they were really laughing with me or laughing at me now don't that get you're in your car come to the beer tent you gotta hang out because you'll never know if you don't spend time with them. I think I am going to have a few beers. I think I'm going to have a few more beers after that and a few more beers no, after we're that. We're going to we're going to We'll get you home. We're going to co-pilot this, this whole experience. I'm I'm coming to see you. Yeah, <laughs> we did that's, that's awesome. That was great, Mark. I enjoyed that. I did too. That was a fun ambiance. <laughs> I was picturing that the sun was just starting to go down. <laughs> You know, in my mind, it was like where it was. My, first, I'm like, okay, we're out by the dumpsters in some alley. <laughs> and then it was changed to like a barn. And then it was just like, oh, this is like the downtown, some small town. And they've got I was their- picturing like a 4-H fair. 
Totally. Like, so there are barns around and it stinks, but it's also like near the speech area where, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there was, I guess, comedy in his sleepy, weepy outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the collaborative nature of that, of figuring out what the routine was. And I did have, I don't know if it was a good punchline, but clearly the guy's going to go back into a coma. So there was some closure. He was out for, for a minute and he's back in, baby. Mm-hmm. Some people, they can't handle. They get out into the real world. They got a a Shawshank Redemption Sandman style. They had people who went into jail and came out and like cell phones had completely like become a thing. And they were like, well, that's weird. I missed all of that. And like, where are all the DVDs? Where where are the phones? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Well, I (laughs) think we can uh, reflect. I mean, is there anything else? What profound conclusion. So the personhood snuck its way into that last scene in that clearly this person was having relations with figments that were so solid and had such a narrative arc that certainly he considered them to be people. And just throw out one last point that, you know, the suspicion might be that we shouldn't be so snooty about personhood because what we're doing when we attribute personhood to non-human objects is actually the same thing we're doing when we attribute it to each other. You know, even if you do have some, you know, the lights are on, you have some consciousness there. I'm not grasping that. Based on your behavior, I'm deciding to have respect for you and to treat you in a certain way. And of course, there's lots of justification for that. But it is not because I know the real you and we see mind to mind. And somehow that's why we call it, you know, no, everybody is shut off in their own little existential self-contained bubble (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes we're we're a bunch of tornadoes and at best it seems to work better if we treat each other as persons whereas a fetus is at least not going to complain you know it might it might in some sense but it's never going to come back and bite me in the ass if i don't treat it as a person so maybe that's the the way to judge it it's just yeah i think there is a point too like the more you find the specificity of overlapping of common interests, the harder it is to act like somebody is like, once you know that somebody's a guy, it's really hard to turn away and say like, I don't know that. I don't know. Like, and so I think there is like a lot of power in finding those common ground things to see like, okay, well, if I find the stuff that I like to talk about, that they like to talk about, then we're kind of more in this together than these people that are sort of pitted against each other for lack of information or understanding. And even if not, it's a nice way to clear your conscience to just be like, well, I tried my best with people. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, any last thoughts on, I I think you revealed your improv lesson pretty thoroughly. And I actually found it very helpful, at least in the way that it played out in terms of collaboratively building the situation. I don't know if that's exactly what you, but that is a way of, I'm going to start the scene, but yet I'm going to only take the first move. I'm not going to set up all the pieces of the game. It's walking into improv as someone who, who hasn't improvised. What's going on is something they, they think about a lot. And in the same way that literature goes from like Dick and Jane books to more advanced things, that advancement is, you know, it's less about the situation and more about we, we discover who the peoples are, who the peoples are. So in a Dick and Jane book, who are Dick and Jane? I don't know. They like each other, I guess. They like they have a dog. I, I don't know anything about them as people. It's all plot. They're running and jumping and playing. But then as, you know, children's literature gets more complicated, eventually you get to Lord of the Flies, which is like, well, the plot is just they're on this island. But the action is driven by the characters, by the people, by the people and and how who the people are and how the people behave to each other. 
And that's the primary driver. It's not an obvious thing. It's not something I expect someone walking in the street in an improv class to see and appreciate right away, much less be able to leverage right away. But anyone who's been improvising for a long time, I think they get like, this is going to be ultimately a little more interesting, maybe a little more satisfying to do, perhaps, and cooler <laughs> in the same way that I'd rather read reread Lord of the Flies than Dick and Jane. Jane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so we got this multi-layered thing that is personhood and its ethical implications, and we have the multi-layered building of scenes based on a, an ambiguous starting point. Sarah, be our judge. Woo, cuddle duds live in layers. You know, if I'm picking the more tidbitular item, which I don't know which phrasing of that we chose earlier, but that one I hit like that hard. One. Yeah, I think that I will be chewing over the concept of personhood a little bit longer than the idea of starting with something about myself, mostly because that was always my anchor grip growing up as an improviser was to like, well, when I don't know, I'm going to be honest. And that usually gets some level of honesty from the other person. Whereas I feel like with personhood and then being someone who's writing and world building it is such an interesting thing to think about of like, well, where does it stop? You know, are we treating, are we merging consciousness with bugs? Are we <laughs> like only treating people as people? Like what's the levels here? So I'll give you the award, Mark, but I give high honors to Bill as well. Well, thank you. The improvisers usually pick Mark. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, we feel very smart thinking about <laughs> philosophy and not being like, yeah, I just as a kid was always making my parents watch my skits. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a detailed enough rationale for your choice that you get one of the umbrellas for sure. Yes, they suck, but I want one. <laughs> and those catalogs, I, I have seen those catalogs <laughs> pick the company gift, you know, and it's just a jacket with like an unforgivable logo. <laughs> just like a chapter on mugs. You know, it's not just like a mug, it's just options. Oh, my gosh. Well, the sands of time are coming to mug us. Let us uh, say goodbye to the public. So long, public ills. This uh, I, had a, I had a good time learning from you today, Bill and Sarah. And I had a great time learning from you, Mark and Sarah. I had a great time learning from you, Mark and Bill. And, and scene. Hope you enjoyed the show. Get more at philosophyimprov.com. If you want to support the show and not have to hear any more commercials and get our post-game segments where Bill and I and sometimes guests will elaborate on some things that came up in the episode, reflect on the future, and share our recommendations in the philosophy and comedy worlds, you can see options to do that at philosophyimprov.com slash support. Thanks. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. Bankrupt.